experience the ripple effect. This is the Empowering Youth Podcast from Building Utah Youth. A nonprofit organization established in 2007 to provide powerful leadership training to the youth of our communities. And now, here's your host, by board member, co-owner of Rapport International and certified trainer, Brett Johnston. Hello and welcome back to the Empowering Youth Podcast. I'm Brett Johnston. I'm JJ Chanowski. And tonight we have a very special family here with us that uh, Rapport is definitely a big part of them and they've incorporated it in their lives. But we're just here to spend a little bit of time getting to know them um, hearing about their their stories that they have to share with us, but we're really here to focus on one individual who is, you know, no longer a teenager. And well, maybe his mom would disagree, but <laughs> you know, in stature, in life, in in the way you're living your life, and the way you're doing things. So it's 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 great to have you here tonight, Jonah. And I'd uh, love to hear from you, and and you get to introduce your parents. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, my parents, they're here. We've kind of always had rapport involved in our life. I remember, uh, obviously, both of you going when I was a, a little kid, you know. So without further ado, I will introduce Julie and Brett Scarborough, who are both master grads. Give it up. Woo! Yeah. Nice job. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. That was very nice, Jonah. What a nice introduction. He has more. I have more. <laughs> Not only are they master grads, but they're also two of my biggest inspirations and definitely the the aim for the trajectory that I like to go after when I think about success. Um, something that that really has always pushed me is whatever you guys are are talking to me about or the the things required to go after my goals and my dreams, you are also doing it along the way. So there's nothing that you're expecting of me that you are not also doing mm. and showing actual real life examples of the success that I hope to achieve as well. Um, and that's just, that's just a hundred percent truth. Wow. Thanks, I'll follow Jonah. that up. Yeah. No, that's it's amazing. great to have you guys here tonight. Um, you know, it is special it, when, when you work as hard as you guys have to be the family that you are. And as you, as you look at Jonah and and see him for the man that he is today, right? And thinking about all of the things that you guys have gone through to get to this place, that's really what we want to celebrate today. And we want to celebrate it today by unpacking a little bit of it and talking through the mindset and the situations and understanding the journey as well as understanding you know, some of the tools and the resources and the people, because that's what we talk about in the training is the, it's, it's usually the people, right? So where do you guys want to start? How start far at, back do you want to go? Beginning. I'd like to hear the beginning. You I want to start at the I beginning of Jonah or you want to start at the beginning? I'll, beginning? I'll start it off. Julie started all this. Yeah, she really <laughs> did. She really did. Just talk about, uh, talk about how it all started for you, mom. Sure. This is all I don't Julie's even know if fault. I know this. 
So I, I'm a realtor, right? And I'd been working at a real estate company, Century 21, with Gage Froer and Associates for a few years. And a bunch of people- We kind of like the Froers. Yeah, yes. they're great. Yeah, so you know those guys. They're, oh, yeah. they're, fam- they're friendly to this whole community, right? And so really a lot of the people that were working there were, you know, they were going down to Vegas and they were coming back with no voice and completely jacked up <laughs> about their lives. And I had no idea what was going on. And I was, you know, I was an ambitious realtor. I wanted to be part of what was happening. So I just asked and I honestly had to sort of push my way in a little bit because it was, it was, you know, it was the, the construction crew had sort of brought Gage and friends in. And so I don't know, I, I, I just went, you know, which they were all a little bit surprised by, like nobody went to my graduation. They sent me, you know, they sent me with my notes and everything. I was fully supported, but it wasn't like we had this big community going yet. It was kind of just getting going. And it was early on. It was in 2007. Yeah, 2007. And then I came back and I was so excited about it. And so I said, my husband, of course. But I want to, I want to talk about you and that experience oh, okay. for just a minute before sure. we move on, because it's, it's, it's a game changer. Yes. In, in so many ways. But if, if I were to ask 10 people what they gained for themselves from that training, I get 10 different answers. That's true. So thinking about that two and a half days, that 48 hours you spent out in the desert, what did you, what insight did you have? What did you gain for yourself? That's a great question. I mean, I think back on that first experience is probably the first major transformational type training I'd ever really done in my whole life. I've done a lot since because it sort of got me really jazzed up about all of the stuff. I mean, the, I would say the biggest thing, I'm always on time from now on. <laughs> Jonah's shaking his head. Yep. I, I mean, I give hugs. You know, I definitely give better hugs. That was probably the biggest thing when I got home from rapport is I gave Jonah a really, really big hug. And, and he commented immediately that that was happening regularly. And also a lot of the criticism stopped almost immediately after rapport. Just really when they, you point out all the things down that, you know, they just, they, they go through the same processes. I've had the opportunity to, to go on team to the building Utah youth here. And, and so I was really impressed with how they sort of do a lot of the same processes and are able to get a lot of the same results out of people it doing sort of different things. But for me personally, I mean, I failed a lot of processes, which was kind of new for me because I had kind of faked and forced my way up to that point, sort of. And my trainer was like, you might be fooling all of these people, but you're not fooling me. And you're probably not fooling a lot of other people in your life. So like, if you can't show up here, like, how are you ever going to show up anywhere else? So that was pretty cool. That's a good backhand. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was, it was humiliating. I couldn't believe it that he kept making me do $50 million was the exercise over and over and (laughs) over. Everybody was passing me, but him, I was like, and yet it's still paying you dividends. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because you know what? Now that happens sometimes where I'll show up and I do pretty good, but I'm like, that wasn't really it, you know? So, and we we don't use powerless words. We hold each other accountable for the, the language and being impeccable with our word. I mean, a lot of things, a lot of things, honestly, but that's, that's a start. That's, it is a start. And, and it, and it's really just about being purposeful and present in our lives, getting in the game of life, not standing on the sidelines, not watching it happen, really starting to purposely make it happen. So you came home and you were like, okay, so now I get to build this circle of influence and this home team at our home base. 
Right. I was really lucky that my employer and my coworkers and a lot of our friends from R&O and all those guys, it was like this community that was building in Ogden and we were having different events and just kind of getting together. And so that's kind of how it started. And then Brett, my husband went to Leadership Breakthrough One and then I had the opportunity to go back to Leadership Breakthrough Two with my coworkers, which was really, really cool. I want to talk about Brett's Leadership Breakthrough One and how that message was relayed. So when she came home, what were your thoughts? This is a sore subject, Brett. Thanks for bringing it up. <laughs> you like talking about sore subjects. Well, I know you do. And so Julie, took, you know, she was trying to tell, how can you tell Try. anybody about, yeah, exactly. She was telling me about her experience at LB1 and you can't really explain that to anybody. And I'm like, I just don't, I don't understand it. And it seemed like a lot of money. So I used the excuse of, I just don't think it's worth it. And I think it was just because I was afraid to go down there, honestly. So I went down with the funny little backpack and I won't give it away for anybody that hasn't been down there, but it was, I think everybody's experience is just totally unique. And I was blown away by the, the stuff that I thought I could fake my way through. They'll expose all your weaknesses for yeah, sure. Most definitely. Did, did Julie come to your graduation? She definitely did. Awesome. <laughs> what a day. And, and I guarantee you do not, you remember it almost to the day you can visualize that entire experience. Oh yeah, it's one of, it's one of those experiences you'll never forget for sure. So then you went to leader two. Right. So then I had the opportunity to go back down with a bunch of people that I knew from my my employer and then the people that were there on team were people we knew too to support, like Tanya Froer and like I went through with all those guys, leadership breakthrough too. Yeah, it was great. And after that, I mean, what what did that do for me? I mean, that was such a powerful experience too. They say that you know, you, you go from one to 10 and then you go from like 10 to a hundred. And I think it's yes. just right because you're just there. You just show up like all warmed up and just ready to go. My, my two cents is you trust the process now, right? It's you've gotten past the apprehension of what is this and why is this and what's next and what's this about and why are we doing this? And you get to a place of just trusting the process. And, and, and that's why you're able to start at the 10 mm-hmm. and go to a hundred. Right. Right. Because yeah, you start out with a process that's kind of like where you end at totally. the, you know, the end of the last one, which was so hard. And it just really, I think makes you realize how far you've come. And I don't think you need to even necessarily keep going back to training. As long as we stay in touch with each other, hold each other accountable, come to the events, you know, like support, like you said, building our communities at home, because I mean, I was really concerned thinking this is such an amazing thing, but how am I going to do this in my whole, like in my real life? How am I going to keep this up? How am I, how am I going to continue this? And when we do it together, right. You have to create this real life at home, right. By holding yourselves accountable and holding everybody else in your, or sending everybody, you know, to report. I mean, that's, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Which was Brett was just like, sign me up. I'm, I'm, I'm your Huckleberry. Well, yeah, after the first one, I was a huge fan. The second LB2 was life-changing. I, I mean, both of them were life-changing in different ways. But after going through LB2, Julie and I became super fanatical about the powerless words and just seeing how much more empowered you are. And then coming back to Utah and finding out that this program was available locally for kids. It was, it was like, it's game on. Let's, who can we send? Oh, Jonah's a good guinea pig. How old was, <laughs> yeah, Jonah, so gonna, how old was Jonah at that point? Uh, how old was Jonah? He was, So I think we went to two to leadership breakthrough two in like 2009 or 2010. So you would have been 13, 13, two years you, prior to. So you became master grads though, before he went to class. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So you guys finished your master grad journey. 
and then it was it was Jonah's turn. Do you remember when they were going through this process and and pushing themselves and 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 prodding each other and and all these different things were happening? Do you remember this? Most definitely, and it's so interesting to think back on those days because even right now in this moment, I'm thinking there was two very different versions of you guys that I saw. One was pre all of this and the other was post. And really the biggest difference for me was, I mean, without getting too, too, you know, deep into our past, me and my mom had me at a young age, right? So we were both growing up kind of together and, you know, it, it, it was just so weird to see this shift in energy to, okay, now we're making things happen and we have intention with the things that we're doing and we have purpose in the things that we're doing. We're not just doing things willy nilly, you know, and letting life happen. Just, it's just going to happen. However, no, that's not how it's going to work anymore. And then, um, really similarly kind of in unison with all of this, um, you know, my mom, at that same time, I'm 13, 14. She introduced the secret to me as well. And then follow that up with, okay, we're going to send you to, we're going to send you to the teen version of this. And, uh, and he was like barely old enough to go. Yeah, I was 15. So he I was ended. a little, he was like small in that crowd. Oh, man. But do you think that's a good idea to send them at the young age? Yeah. So we, it used to be 14 to 18 and we moved it to 15 and now we really focus on are they ready? So sure. it's really a, sure, it's yeah. really a focus on, I mean, because you can have a 15 year old boy and a 15 year old girl, no offense to boys, but you're just not usually in the same place. The girls are most definitely uh, between the years. Yeah. yeah. He did and, great, but we were kind of worried about it a little bit. Misty talked and I were like, yeah. are you old enough? Is yeah. he ready? <laughs> but it was like, yes, let's throw him in the fire because that's what we do. <laughs> totally. <laughs> He'll be fine. We thought it was a better option than military school. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and think about the time. I mean, we were all 15 once and it's just not a time where you are at your peak confidence. It's not a time where, where you're at your, or who is nobody is. Oh, here's the thing. I'm going to be hundred percent real. I was not at my peak confidence at 15 years old. I was incredibly insecure and I was very much concerned with how I was observed from other people. And I was very much unsure of who I was in the world or what I really had control over. Um, I had, it, it was so funny. The timing that these trainings have come into my life have always kind of seemed to be when it seems like my life's falling apart. <laughs> I had just moved schools from, um, you know, South Ogden to Layton and left kind of all of my friends that I grew up with behind and was in this really fresh environment and I just was not handling it well because of my insecurity and my, you know, concern of being observed in a certain way. And when you are trying to when, rep you're, when you're trying to, excuse me, when you're replicating what you think you should be doing versus being yourself, you're going to do it far less effectively and you're going to come across not genuine. And that was the, that was the whole issue. So when I walked into that room and it's, dead silent and everybody's sitting there and everybody's wondering what is this thing? <laughs> mm -hmm. What is this, you know, experience that we're about to go through? And the only person that I even knew there was Misty, which I also thought was very, very important and crucial to this, this kind of having the, 
the toll that it did on me is I didn't know anybody else in the room. When I went on team, there was uh, a whole football team there. Groups. Yeah. Which there's nothing wrong with that, but you're going to, you're going to go through it differently. They, they're, they, they yeah. think they know each other, but they don't <laughs> yeah. know yeah. each other yet. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. yeah. yeah and cash, it's just, you know, you felt like you, tr- you had a strong sense of trust because you know, your parents had gone through this prior to you. Was that in your mind or not at all? Not though? really. Okay. And this is important to talk about <laughs> Yeah, because not this really. is a very normal thing for a 15 year old. Oh yeah. I don't care what my parents have done. I don't care what my parents say. I don't really care what they think because my parents don't know anything. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it took me, you know, it took me until about that first, mo- that next morning or that next night. Cause there's just so much that you go through when you go through this class where I, it was revealed to me like, this is absolutely, you're at the perfect place at the perfect time. All of this is for a reason. None of this is accidental, you know, but lead the days leading up to this. I try, excuse me. I did everything really to get out of this. I didn't want to go at the time. You know, there was talks of military school, jokingly, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I was, I was off Brett's course. like it wasn't a joke. Right. Yeah. You know, when you're on course and you're off course and you can never be on course all the time, it's just not possible. You're going to get off course and things like this get you on course. And if you, if you don't know where your course is, you probably, you probably ought to attend one of these and, and spend some time figuring out who you are and, and what it is that you're really about underneath to take it back to the $50 million, there's only one way to show up a hundred percent. There's not, you know, there's not, you can't fake it. (laughs) You know, you're not going to fake any process in this, in this whole thing, you know? And if you do, you're cheating yourself. Unfortunately. So I, I went, I just want to talk about this for a sec. I, I went to Eagle quest, I believe a year after maybe two years after I graduated. Um, and unfortunately for myself, I let my ego get in the way of really gaining from that class because I went out there and I didn't show up fully and I didn't really commit all the way. I didn't do the hundred percent, which if you do less than a hundred percent in this kind of thing, it doesn't really work the same. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of dulled. It's watered down. You know, it's lukewarm as opposed to boiling hot. And that's everywhere in life. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it was it was an really, really intense to to go through this kind of thing, because I actually went through with Mesa's brother and um, I went through with Mitch Wayment and Hannah Terry mm. um, and Cordell Whitaker was on team and he was intense to me. Yeah. <laughs> and um yeah, so I was I was really really thinking about this earlier today and who stood out to me and and why and it's you know Braxton Jorgensen as well I remember and I still kind of talk to these guys here and there I mean I ta- I texted Hannah today to just figure out when when all of this went down and it's just really kind of a a cool thing that all these years later you know we still have we still have great great connections with one another. You know, for the most part, what was your two biggest takeaways? Start back at, you know, the teen leadership breakthrough. Yeah. When you finished, you, you graduated, everybody's hugging, you go home at night, you're sitting in bed, looking back at that moment. What, what would you say your biggest takeaway was? For one, I 
pride myself on my punctuality as well. I, I am never late to anything for any reason and never have been since LB1. Since, since, since they went to class. Since they, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, what's funny is that, that quality is overlooked a lot. Being on time is overlooked a lot. And if you just simply look at the people that have success or anybody that is doing what you want to be doing, I bet you they have exceptional punctuality. So that was the first thing that I took in a massive way. And I, the second one has got to be just trusting myself Mm. that being myself is the right choice and trusting myself that being myself is going to be much better for me in the long run than having this artificial kind of nonsense about you. But this is what I want to talk about. And this is what's really interesting is throughout life being 15, you're 15 years old. Right. And these things happen within your life. I'm 27 now, right? Things happen in life, especially as you start to mature, you move out, you buy a house, you have a family, you, you have a, you know, a career and people to support people counting on you. It's very easy to get off course. Like I was mentioning earlier and it's very easy to get wrapped up into your ego and who you think you are and what you think you should be doing and saying and acting like. And it's very, very important to take it back to these kinds of days, these kinds of trainings to make sure that you are on course and make sure that, you know, you are coming from the heart. You don't want to, you don't want to walk through life not being genuine. And so many people do. This is also what's crazy is you come back from this kind of thing. Who did? I did. I came back from this and I, I want to talk about a struggle (laughs) for a sec. The biggest struggle for me coming back was limiting contact to people that I felt were not like-minded like me anymore, which was the majority of my friend group at the time. And, and just thinking to myself, gosh, you know, if I'm going to grow and if I'm going to live this, I've got to get away from these, these people in this group of people that I was hanging out with and associating myself with. Um, it's, it's an absolute, not easy. Tri- it's an absolute trip to think about now. It's the biggest deal to you in the world to cut certain people off. I can't even tell you anybody that I talk, you know, that I was hanging around with that is even around to this day. They would be if they were going to have any sort of lasting impact on me. Would you be where you are today if you would have stayed with those friends? No, absolutely not. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't be here today if everything that, in that's what I want the audience to take right this second. That was what I call burning the boats. Yeah. That is a burning platform. Yeah. You burnt the freaking boat. Yeah. It's a tough thing to do. And you got to, you know, you got to, you got to be sure <laughs> of what you're doing because you can't really go back on, on that kind of thing. Um, and it's happened again. You know, it didn't just happen then it's, it's happened. You know, it's happened a few times in my life where you got to got kind of, where I got to, <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. It's been too long. long. We'll see at the gala and my vocabulary will be a little more shaped up when going through life as a young, vulnerable teen, like many of us are, like I certainly was, it's important to have people in your corner and it's important to have coaches and direction who are living the lives that you want to live. I think it's, Mm. it's, it's very, very important to have, people around you that are much, much more successful than you, because that's going to push you to be like-minded 
to be in the realm of caliber of people. And they, the two for sure that first come to mind for me are sitting right in front of me. You guys have been such a perfect example. And by the way, the fact that you guys were already master grads before I went in really made it a much more powerful experience as well. Cause you knew exactly you know, they knew exactly more or less yeah. Yeah. what's going to happen. And that is great. You know, just leading up to it and trust the process and it's all will be known in due time. It's, <laughs> don't worry about it. And, and they, they, they were sleeping like babies yeah. while you were up all night. Skinny branches. What? Skinny Giggling. branches. Sometimes you got to play on. The Do you remember branches. preparing him for that class? Oh yeah. We were, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> I remember we had the perfect backpack. We're like, what's the most embarrassing one we could find? But yet still send with love. Yes. So we found the perfect backpack, of course. And, you, you know, it's really fun because you you remember how much those cards and how much all of the stuff meant. So, you, you know, you come from the heart and you know that, hey, at this moment, they're probably struggling. So I'm going to put some words of encouragement, but you know that they're going to make it through. And so it's it, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I love seeing all the different you know, backpacks that roll into the <laughs> training because they are, they're very, you know, um, <clears throat> different, Yeah, <laughs> but it, there's so much heart that goes into every single one of them. And as I think about how that relates to so many other areas in life, it's as little as did your mom ever make you lunch for school? You know, and, and I can go on and on and on and it's, and it's all those little things. This just happens to be one of those things that it, it was, you were able to stop and think about how you looked at it to begin with and then how you looked at it afterwards. And we just finished talking about that earlier, but it's so much easier to look at it in hindsight, you know, Monday morning quarterback situations and, and things like that. But when we're living with intention and we're very purposeful and focused on the outcome that we want, we can actually have those things at those moments in real time, which is so much, you know, it's so much better to live it in that moment than it is to come back and live it later. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that they talk about that, even like walking with purpose and talking with purpose and like checking your voicemail and returning it right away or taking action on it right away or dismissing it right away instead of just going through life and just being so reactionary and not like actually intentionally living my life. Ever since I came back from that first rapport class and then definitely ever since I've been to any other one or gone to any gala or like I meet people that they're master grads and then like that literally takes over the whole conversation. Yeah, the there's nothing else to night. talk about and it's going to be two hours. <laughs> yeah. Everybody else at the table is very annoyed that hasn't been involved. <laughs> it's intoxicating, you know, yeah. it's, it's, and it's, I'm intoxicated on my own life. I mean, how cool is that? Before I went to these classes, I mean, I was pretty happy. I was pretty successful. I mean, I was on a pretty good trajectory, but there's literally no way I would be where I am. But no we call way. it good enough in the training. Exactly. Yeah. And and a lot of it is that it's our own BS. It's our own inability to think bigger, dream bigger, be more bigger, right? Be bigger, be more, right? And And thinking about that and how that relates to our youth. And you guys are the role models and mentors, you're the ones that have inspired and motivated Jonah. You're, you're a huge, huge part of why he is the man that he is today, just by the, what, the choices that you made and the way that you were showing up and the way you were living. And 
What a gift that you gave each other and pushed each other through. But do you remember when, when he got home from, I mean, what, what was the outcome that you really wanted for him in sending him to class? I know that you had your own experiences, but as you thought about sending him as a parent, why did you want to send him? He was already a good kid. I know we're joking around about, about, you know, going to military school and all that. And, and, and Brett's still not, he's still not getting, but, uh, but, but, but why? Because this is a big sticking point for so many parents when they have this opportunity to send their, their teen to a class and, and their immediate response is, well, my, my kid's a great kid. Mm-hmm. You know, my Jonah's amazing. Why would I send my Jonah to this class? Why? Yeah. Well, I think that that was the biggest thing. I wanted Jonah to see that he was amazing because I don't think he really knew that no. really before he went there. No. And I knew that I was going to have an opportunity to tell him more easily after the training. I wasn't really sure exactly what was going to happen. Like I didn't know I was going to be able to send written communication, which was really, really, really cool. I think that the door that it opens for a parent and a child, the communication afterwards is never, ever the same. We sent our other two kids and got the opportunity to communicate the same with them. And they're all doing great. They don't use powerless words. And now when I want to communicate like, with them, I can. And it's a lot of it's because the, these processes and these programs really open up their ears. You know, they say like, take the cotton out of your ears and stick it in your mouth. Right. <laughs> I think that that kind of does, does that a little bit for, for these kids. They hear the same stuff that hopefully they hear from their parents, from other people. Like you're awesome. You can do anything you believe in yourself. And then they hear it from their peers that they don't normally get to talk to. Stop there for a moment. Do you remember your parents telling you that you were awesome and you were amazing? Yeah, of course. Could you hear them though before? No, no, I didn't believe it for sure. I didn't believe it. And that's a, that's a very, very, that sticks with people unless it, unless it gets washed away. I think you said it very perfectly. It, it hits different when it comes from your peers, as opposed to it coming from your parents. I tell my kids that they're amazing and they can do everything that they want all, every single day. You know, I, I think that's kind of my duty <laughs> unless they're off course, in which case, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll have to get corrected or correct itself. But for myself, yeah, I was, I was, I was definitely told by these guys that I was great and that I was destined for big things and mm. that I was capable of, of big things um, but I didn't believe it for sure did not. And at this point I had ran several half marathons by 15, probably three or four at that time. And, you know, still felt overweight and still felt nobody wanted to be around me unless I was doing crazy, reckless things like spending money on stupid stuff. And, um, yeah, it was, that was the biggest, you know, shocker for me is no, you can be yourself and people will love you for that. And not only will they love you for that, but if you're not showing up for yourself, you're not showing up for anybody else that you love. You know, you're not, if, if you're just trying to get out of the exercise or if you're trying to hide in the corner, excuse me, if you're hiding in the corner, not wanting to participate, (laughs) I guarantee that's showing up everywhere else because how you do anything is how you do everything. Amen. Right. And, and if, if that's just your reality, if that's my reality that I've accepted for myself, I am, I am holding myself back from accomplishing all of these great things that I know that I'm capable of doing when I was a, when I was that age, you know, 
I didn't know what I wanted to do. <laughs> you were in real estate. I figured I'd be in real estate. And it's so exciting that that time has finally come for us. But it didn't start there. No, I mean, I'm, no. I'm sitting here, you two, and I am, I'm just, I'm, I'm in awe. And, and a lot of it is because I was, I think I was 27 or, or 28 years old when I, and I went to leader one. Nice. And similar stage in the marriage yeah, and, and everything else and so much going on, just not grateful for it, but you've, you've really bypassed so many of those things. Um, and where you're at today, but I want, before we dive into where you're at today, because there's a whole journey involved in that. Um, as soon as he came home, he was perfect, right? Well, he was always pretty much perfect. Thanks. Right? Perfect in the mother's eyes. <laughs> nice. Thanks. I mean, it's, it's a journey. It's always a journey, right? It's a, it's a journey of growth over time, I think. And I think that this gave us so many more tools to work through what was to come. How did you guys, how did your communication shift? Because that is a big thing for parents. Like everybody, parents go, well, I just struggled to communicate with my kids. That's everyone. Okay. Until you figure out the how. And we talked to the kids in the training that they're the ones that are responsible to let their parents know how to best communicate with them because parents don't have a handbook. They don't have an owner's manual for their child and they don't know. And, and one minute it may be we communicate this way and the next minute we communicate that doesn't work anymore. So now we're going to communicate this way. So how did that shift? I think it's a good question. I know I keep jumping in here for Brett, but I don't know. He's asking me. Do you want to answer? No, I'm asking both of you. Sorry. Brett, this, this probably happens everywhere in their lives, huh? It does. I'm yes. like the loud mouth of the, of the relationship. <laughs> Brett's like, I have nothing to say. She Go says, just ask her. <laughs> I was just going to say, we greeted each other. Good morning. Good afternoon. A little bit differently after the training. That's Ooh, good. Ooh, nice. Yeah. So it was, you meant it. I think that the biggest thing that like literally changed as far as communication goes is I think that we were more willing to just sit down and talk to the kids, you know, after they went, they were more willing to, but I think we were more willing, you know, it's, it, it's up to us also as the parents to like, the teenagers are mad and they're moody and like, that's okay. I'm mad and moody too sometimes, you know, but you just have to be willing to talk to them and meet them where they are instead of, I was always expecting Jonah and the other kids to to be where I expected them to be instead of going to where they were going to where they're at. Right. And then well, and, and I want to tie in, you know, you guys, you guys are realtors. That's your profession. That's your livelihood. And let's be honest. It is a livelihood. It's a lifestyle being a realtor. If you, if it's not a lifestyle for you, you're not a realtor. You're it's a hobby. So when it, when it's a lifestyle, you live it, eat it, breathe it, your, your relationship building, your marketing, it's, it's 24 seven, you live it. And you have these awesome, amazing, uh, technology, you know, pieces out there that are, I noticed that you don't have smart, you have a smartwatch on. Okay. Yeah. No smartwatches. Nope. And, 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 and which is a great thing. I mean, maybe you've went down that road and then rebounded from it and you're shaking your heads. Yeah. But, but you know, the smartphone, what an amazing, powerful tool to help you do all be all communicate all Johnny on the spot with everything that goes on. And yet it has a a negative impact elsewhere. Uh All you Brett jump in. (laughs) One of the things that was really in, that I learned in, in LB1 and LB2 is really taking control of your life and not 
looking at that phone and letting it control you. And I know, especially for teens that that phone is such a big part of your life, you know, and it's a big part of my life too. And we learned some skills there that you can put that phone down and it's a tool, not, you know, something that you use when you want to. And just that empowerment that you learn at these classes is really at a different level than, than you don't see this stuff in the schools. You don't see it in, in general but these are life skills that can really help everybody, whether you're a teen or an adult, but they're really useful. The sooner on you get these skills, the better off because old people, it's hard. What's the saying? It's hard to teach an old dog. dog new tricks. tricks. It's really nice. true because the teens go through basically what the adults do in one session. So they're, they're like sponges compared to adults. Oh yeah. They yeah. do the whole entire master grad program almost in, in one class. So fun. But I want to hear, would love to hear from you guys because you guys have created this. You've built this. This is this is your family unit, your family culture that is influenced by what you've learned and experienced and and the awareness you've had. What are some of the what's some of the family culture? What does it look like and sound like and feel like to be in your home? Feels pretty good. <laughs> Explain go ahead, that. Go ahead. Mom. No, go. I want to hear. You said it feels good. What do you mean it feels good? It feels like everything I've always wanted to feel in a career and, and in our family as well. Uh, some of our main consistencies that we do is we end in gratitude every day. We talk about, we talk about it every day. We have very, very uh, meticulous processes to make sure that we're doing the things that we should be doing. Um, yet at the same time, you know, when you are self-employed, like we are, it, there's, there's generally a tendency to overwork or way underwork, you know? And so we have a very good balance of, you know, really, really concentrated work for a period of time. And then we change the environment. You know, we get out, we go on a walk, we go to the golf course. We, you know, just go somewhere else to continue more concentrated work. And because of that kind of thing, you know, it, it really does affect our performance in a, in a very, very positive way. Um, I don't know if, if you want to kind of speak on that as well. Well, I think that's our work environment. And I think that's true. And like you said, there's not a, there's a lot of blurred lines in our business and our, I mean, we've been realtors now 18 years, so it's just kind of our lifestyle and we have a home office. And so we do have to consciously put the phone down, close the office door. Okay. Now we're at home. But I mean, we have even our friends, when we go on vacation, we drive them crazy with at the end of the day at dinner. Okay. What was everybody's favorite part of the day? What are you looking Ooh, for? Let's, I would like, love to have you share what that sounds like here for just a moment. Sure. Everybody's looking for a tool and, and something new to add and, and it's powerful. And it's one of those things that seems silly at first, but it's not, it becomes something no. you look forward to. Well, it changes the whole trajectory of the whole thing, right? Like we went to, a, we went to Greece with some, a few different couples and, you know, they just wanted to sort of like be in Greece and party. Right. And I did too. Sure. But we also wanted to be intentional about everything we were doing while we were there. So every single night it was, what was your favorite part of the day? What are you looking forward to tomorrow? Not that we had to have every second of our life planned out, but you know, what's your intention for the day tomorrow? What are you taking away from the day today? Those kinds of things. And I don't know. We just, you know, we'd encourage those people to sleep on the other side of the bed while they were there, or take a different, you know, walk to the market a different way. Like a, a lot of the things you learn to mix things up and make things different, but get uncomfortable. Exactly. Because comfort, comfort zones aren't even that comfortable. You know, we've learned. seriously, they're so, terrible. Yeah, <laughs> they are. And then at home, I mean like mandatory hugs 
on, oh, yeah. you know, hello and goodbye. That used to not be the case. And real ones. Real oh, yeah. ones. You don't get away with this one. That one, that one didn't count. You get to give me a real one. <laughs> exactly. And well, it's that thought of what if there isn't another one? Exactly. Totally. And the biggest thing I used to be very, 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 very critical, very, very critical as a mother. I thought that was my job. I don't really know why I thought that, but I did. I thought that my job as a mom was to point out to my kids everything that they could be doing different or better to be more successful in life. I don't know. And now I don't think that's my job at all as a mom. I mean, like shelter, food, basic skills to get through like your first 18 years. But other than that, it's just to love them. Love that's them. it. Like literally, that's it. When did and that shift happen for you though? That first, very first leadership breakthrough one. You're mm-hmm. out there in the middle of nowhere by yourself, it feels like. And all of that just came like crashing down how all of the criticisms versus the praise. Yeah. But it was, I mean, and, and I, I love this, this topic because everyone's worst critic is themselves. Yes. That's a fact. And, and yet when you break that cycle, it's so freeing and light and, and there's just so much more joy and, and gratitude associated with, with living that you get to focus on. I just get to love myself. And when I love myself, I get to love others. And you're right, your job isn't to be critical, but there is some accountability associated with being a mom. Sure, sure. And of course I was doing that part, right? I think I was overdoing the, you know, like I like he says he was running half marathons and and like I at that time in my life, nothing I did was good enough, right? So how could anything he did really be good enough? We were always like searching for this hidden finish line that I think we just decided to stop and be present and just do our best, you know? And just be really intentional about it. And I don't know, just be there for each other, I guess, more than anything. Great insight. So, so as you think about moving past, you know, family, because you're 27 and, and there's been 12 years, right? Since you went to class, 12 years, a lot's happened. Want to unpack some of that journey um, because there's been a lot of great things that have happened but let's walk through that roller coaster ride for a moment. Sure. So yeah, um, after getting out and graduating from LB one, it I was I was riding the high for I would say about a couple weeks, and then it's all of that kind of simmers back, and you're left with kind of yourself, right? Who was? I was left. <laughs> It's going to happen by the end of this podcast, I swear. So in walking through life, you know, post graduation, you know, rah, rah, I can do anything. You know, I had just done the things that we, you know, do that I won't mention in case listeners are thinking about going through. That's part of the excitement. Just focus and do it. Right. You know, there was there was plenty of triumphs for me from saving up and, and buying my first car. And, um, you know, I was definitely never a star student by any means. I was never having outstanding grades, um, in anything through high school, but graduated high school. Nonetheless, took a couple years of, uh, college and dropped out because I felt like I was wasting space to be honest in the university for somebody who would be grateful to be in my place um, was most definitely confused about where to go at this time. I'm probably 18 to probably 20 years old. 
you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of living at home. I'm kind of living here and there. I have no real direction at this time, you know, and fortunately we've gone through other, other trainings as well that have kind of reinforced, you know, putting more kind of armor, if you will, over me to break through this life. Um, and you know, what, what really did it for me was the next time I felt that I knew exactly who I was and I was doing the things that I know I should be doing was when I worked at the daily rise, which is a coffee shop locally and here in Ogden owned by Beth and Jeff Furton, who are just two absolutely phenomenal people who I love with all my heart being there. You know, I had, I had just recently gotten let go from uh, my other job freed up, freed up pretty much exactly where I was at mentally before going into LB one, which is super crazy. Um, very insecure, very, um, unsure about who I was and what I'm doing. You it's know? because it's a whole nother chapter in life. <laughs> yeah. Like you figured out the, the high school one and yeah. you got through that stage and then you get out of high school and it's, it's a whole nother level. It's Man. a whole nother chapter. It's new people. There's new expectations. Yeah. And you're really trying to figure out how much independence I am not trying to do anything. Excuse me. I was really trying to figure out how you much were not trying to, I'm, I'm telling you <laughs> I was because I didn't know you were figuring out. Uh, how much independence I really had in the world, because that's one thing that I feel I always wanted to do and know is what do I really have control over and what do I really, what am I really good at? I don't know, you know, or didn't know at the time. And And this is important to talk about Jonah because most don't. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's very normal for you to not know. That's part of all of this. And I think I know myself now, but I bet you, you give it some time and it's all going to happen again. It's going to all cycle back. Trust the process. Yeah. Yeah. So in working at a coffee shop, I'm still very, very shy at the time. Didn't, didn't really, you know, I was not the first to, to initiate conversation with strangers or put myself in a position to be doing things like that. And at a coffee shop, all you're doing all day long is talking to the person at the window, you know? And so I started to, to really, really take it kind of seriously and figure out where these people are in their life. And cause a lot of people aren't doing that well. And I figure if they're coming to the daily rise where my job, my slogan is to promote positive energy, I'm going to do that and I'm going to care about them and be intentional with them and, and just be real with these people, you know, and at the time I'm going through all my crazy stuff cause I'm 20 years old and I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm moving out and I'm moving in, moving back in. And it's this whole thing. And it's, you know, it's gosh, so many, you know, disagreements between us also at the time. And, you know, through talking with this many people, you know, day in and day out, I found out that that is absolutely my strongest, one of my strongest 
you know, assets to myself or characteristics. One of your biggest strengths, your greatest strengths. Yeah. Superpower. Superpower. I love talking with people. I love building new connections and and building relationships with people and, you know, try, excuse me, finding uh, similarities within one another where you never, ever would have thought. One of the reasons why I was able to do what I did in the car business was I got recruited from the daily rise. Here comes my managers getting coffee for me and I'm got braids in my hair and I'm making music. Yes. Let's talk about, I mean, I I still visualize, (laughs) I still have a perfect visualization of your braids. (laughs) And, and when you went to work at, at the Subaru, I remember, I remember it plain as day. It's great. So funny. So funny. Yeah. I mean, at the time that was my biggest thing. I'm passing out flyers. I figured this is a perfect way to kind of promote myself. And I actually did some pretty big shows and it was fun, man. It's just fun kind of part of my life with my, with the music. Yeah. Um, and anyways, long story short, my managers would come to the daily rise and here I am with braids, giving them flyers to my shows and just promoting myself and getting all fired up at six in the morning for them as they're rolling into work. And they said, you ought to come interview, you know? And I had seen a few guys come through and I'm, I have no idea why I just took a chance and went over there. And by some miracle, they hired me. It turns out most of them didn't want to hire me because nobody thought I would take it seriously. It was the braids. I know. Yeah. yeah, they were judging you. I know. That's fine. Dirt bags. I know. It's okay because it all worked out. And then, yeah, and I was able to to do some some pretty cool things because I had never had sales experience training up until this point. And but you you knew that we were all salespeople because well, you had yeah. won fifty million dollars. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. That's the biggest thing too. When you have no fear of rejection anymore, because I broke through that at the training. And you have no fear of anything else. You have nothing to lose. You know, you're going to, you're going to didn't have anything to lose. I didn't have anything to lose, Brett. Nice. I did things differently. And I mean, you guys know how it is to buy cars. It's not fun. It's, it's a very, it can be. Well, I made it. Fun. If, 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 if I'm buying a car, it is very fun for me. I yeah. can't speak on behalf sure. of the yeah, salesperson, yeah. but <laughs> right. I am having a blast. Right. And I feel very, very fortunate to have got the experience to go through that place. I was there for the past five years and I was able to do some pretty big things for, for them as a group. And I was able to, you know, build just some incredible relationships with people that I, you know, are going to be my lifelong friends at this point. You know, few of them were in my wedding lineup, you know, and customers. No, no other coworkers. Got it. I do have uh, a couple customers though, that just are just incredible people. And it's like, you never would have met these people. Who wouldn't have? Oh my God. Here's the thing. <laughs> I need some work. Put me back in the training. <laughs> You're doing great. You're I need some great. work. But the the point that I was trying to make is unless you put yourself in positions to be uncomfortable and embrace the discomfort, you're you're going to just stay exactly where you are, which if 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 you're okay with that, then that's that's perfectly fine, but you weren't. No, 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 no. And especially not after seeing these guys do what they did over the past, you know, 5 years as well. Just Has that been a driving force for you watching def- them just yeah. Oh, yeah. get it? Well, yeah, and and 
one of the biggest struggles for me, and I'll just talk about this too. Once I started finding success and I was, you know, viewed as one of the top salespeople in that dealership and I started making this money, I was, I was spending money absolutely recklessly in, in not a healthy way. Do you guys remember this part of the story? Yes. Yes. We remember this part of the story. <laughs> well, and, uh, <laughs> because they started their career in what they're in right before the recession hit, Correct. which is everybody's got a little PTSD from that. And then watching you crush it in sales and they understand this whole scenario and what this sounds like, looks like and how the, they know the story. Yeah. Before the story. It's pretty normal. I mean, most new salespeople in real estate do the same thing. We joke about they they sell two or three houses and they show up with a brand new car, you know. So yeah. it's pretty normal. And a $900 payment. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. So we weren't like really that nervous about it. But I I mean, I'm glad that you you recognize that for sure. Most definitely because I was, too, I was very infatuated with the appearance of having wealth as opposed to actually having wealth, which are two very, very different things. True. And I feel this is very important for the youth to hear that when you start making money, it's very, very important to have a plan. Cause if you don't, you're going to blow all of your money. I definitely did. I spent so much more money on stupid things when I was making way less money. <laughs> and it's like just ridiculous to, to kind of think about some of the things that I was doing recklessly. And to just be honest with you guys and myself, a lot of it came out of my insecurity of wanting to be accepted and wanting to be viewed a certain way. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, now that I'm surrounded by these guys every day and choosing to only be around people that I choose to surround myself with plus signs, if you will, as opposed to minus signs, you know, you behave in, in accordance with the people that you're around, right? You're an average of the five people you're around always, right? So if you're around, if you're around success and if you're around millionaires and if you're around authors and, you know, you're going to just naturally blend with that energy build up. We got to brag it. a little bit, you know, because you, you're talking about, you had success yeah. at the dealership, but let's highlight a little bit of that as success. Okay. So my first uh, few months, I, I got into the flow very easily because sales is no more than communication. That's it. Whatever it is that you're selling sells itself and you need to just be the friendly person that helps them along in the sale. So I understood this even before getting into sales from these guys and, you know, having my intentions and my, my customers be my priority skyrocketed me pretty quickly. Um, within a few months, I was the top salesperson at, at Subaru. And then I would, I went on to actually break the all time sales record in the history of the young automotive group in August of 2020, in the middle of COVID, everybody's masked up and I sold more cars that month than anybody had done since 1925. Wow. Yeah. It was, it was an absolutely incredible feeling the whole month. And you know what it was is this is so interesting to bring it back to this. I had a conversation with um, a really good mentor of mine who was my manager at Subaru. And he said, you're killing it. And I can tell you're only 80% in. And he said, mm. what would happen if you went hundred percent in? I said, I don't know. Something pr probably crazy would probably happen. <laughs> and so I just decided right then and there, let's go hundred percent. Let's see, you know, let's see what that does. 
So it started out, he bet me a Louis belt. If I broke, if I <laughs> broke my previous record, he'd buy me a Louis belt. So I said, great. So the month starts and it's just nothing special. And all of a sudden I was completely in a, in a deep flow state. And everybody that I talked to was in the absolute perfect position to buy a car on. And in the same sense, I'm saying everything necessary to say, to give these people the information to make that decision. Um, and it just happened every single day, day in and day out. I couldn't think about anything else. I habitually listened to the same songs on the way to work and watched the same show at night every day for the whole month habitually. Cause I didn't want to get off and feel like if I, I'm on this roll, if I listen to something else, I'm going to be off the roll. It's not going to be in the same thing. And and this is the craziest, craziest thing during the, my time when this was happening, I knew it was something special and I knew that it was a mind state before it was my action, right? So driving into work, I felt that this flow is out there all the time, but it changes. It's like a current in a river, right? There's a, there's a river, but there's part of the river that's going faster than everything else, but it shifts. It's not in the same place every day, right? Or all the time. So Mentally, I was tuning in to wherever this flow was. And you know when you're out of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I, for some reason, for the 30 days, I had just committed that that's what I was going to do. And I definitely felt every day I woke up, I thought, what if it's not going to happen? Like, what if it doesn't? And then, and I would just simply not accept that I would reject the rejection. And I would, in tune, get into whatever flow state that I was in. And then I would show up and, and people were kind of shocked because I was not anything really special up until this point. I was, you know, kind of a smart ass kind of salesperson, you know, I'm not going to lie. This shows up everywhere. Yeah. It's pretty consistent. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, and it ended up happening and it came down to the last day at the, everybody else was gone. I closed my last deal after hours I was able to sell 36 and a half cars and break the record. It is still, it is still the record at, at Subaru, but it has since been broken within the group because the previous holder had been in the business for 20 years. And I think he took that a little personally. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so he came back and, and he shook my hand and Just I was back like, oh. and teed it all up to make yeah. sure that he was going to crush it. Yeah. And, but I'll tell you what, doing that and committing myself like that, you know, had the owners of that place texting me and saying, how was your day? Like, what's going on? What's next? How are you set up? Um, and I gained a lot of respect from some people that I value their respect, you know, and I've, I've built some relationships that I value these relationships, you know, by doing that. And, and it kind of gave me the confidence to say, I absolutely excel in the game of sales. Right. Um, after all of that kind of, you know, I was, I was on that high. Um, I got promoted to, to what's called floor manager where I'm hiring and training all the new hires. And, you know, you can, you can definitely best believe that I was saying, okay, with projection and enthusiasm, let's hear the mission statement, you know, and, and teaching people to control their responses. And they didn't really like that because I was not teaching the material that they wanted me to teach all the time. You know, I wanted to teach them how to control your mind, you know, because if you can, especially in car sales, you know, it's very much like door to door. It's very fast paced and mostly rejection and mostly losses as opposed to wins, you know, and that can take a toll on you. And if you're not, if you're not doing things like self care, if you're not, if you're not, you know, taking the time to recover 
from your performance, you're going to burn out. It's going to happen, right? So by doing these things and having this kind of mindset, you can avoid the burnout by changing your environment when things are too concentrated by, you know, taking a second to go into the sunlight, right? And um, that was great. And I'll just finish it up. Recently, well, last December, excuse me, not last December, December uh, before I, I was promoted to finance. And that's where I, I concluded my career uh, with that dealership was in finance and made a, a very clean exit. And I was, I was very grateful for that as well. But you moved on to doing what? So yeah, now I've moved on and joined my, my family business and something that we've talked about for so long and uh, joined them in, in the world of real estate. Was it time? Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, He's yeah. been working on it. I think ever since he got into car sales, I, I mean, he always wanted, I think to be a realtor. We said like, go learn how to sell, right? Somewhere yes. besides with us. <laughs> go learn why. Go too. buy a house, go learn how to sell a little bit. And then, yeah, it's, yeah. The, it's the best timing. I mean, the market's definitely a little bit nuts, kind of like back in the old days, like we were talking about. But Not it's really, still, but there's, similar, similar. there's still so much opportunity. So much there's opportunity. so much opportunity. It's, it's just, what are you focused on? Right. And he's doing great. He's doing all of the things that he's learned from you, Brett, and from all of these people that we've been involved with here. He's taking massive action. He, we literally said we burned the boats when he came over. Like failure is definitely not a choice. Like this is our plan A, B through Z. And that's always been our life. And it's just really cool that he's like that in. And honestly, it's to be able to work together I mean, with, with my, with my husband is amazing. But now, I mean, Jonah's really my best friend. He, I mean, I had him when I was 17. So, well, 17, uh, barely 18. <laughs> <laughs> so we grew up together, like he mentioned. And so it's really cool to now be in this position where we're both like emotionally mature and we can like run a business together and have all this success and he's already has tons of success. He's been here for two months and he's like totally killing it. Thanks. Well, it's nice to have that culture that you learn from, from rapport and the, and the, because we all understand it. And when we go out to do work or play, we have that same culture in our business and our family. And we're really blessed to have that as a family, because I see a lot of people that it's one member that went through the program. And I honestly don't know how they could do that, how they could go back to their house and interact with people that don't haven't been through that program and just be, it'd be a challenge. Absolutely. So, I love, I, I just got to say one thing, you know, there's a common theme as we listen to people and you've been around other people with the dealership, your life mind set. Oh yeah. That's and the way you prime, the way you bake your day every day and the consistency and I have a word in my life, no more shoulds. No, I'm not going to should on myself. Right. I, I'm going to, it's a must. Yeah. And, and your story of 30 days, I'm going to break this record. If the audience can realize that and believe everything you need in life is within. Oh yeah. And externally building Utah youth rapport gives you some amazing tools. And that's what you were lucky enough to walk into that class and a gift given. And that's what I wish for the audience and the parents saying, should I send my child through? We are not a be all fix all. Right. We are after the kids doing good enough. We're after the adults doing just good enough. But if you can apply these tools and be consistent, your story is amazing. Thank you. 
you can do anything, but it starts right here. Yeah. And I don't want to end without highlighting the fact that you're a husband and a father. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's been absolutely a whole nother side of a, of a, you know, life that I haven't experienced up until recently, but yeah, I have a, I have a one-year-old son. I have a 10 year old stepdaughter and it's, it's nothing but the best, but I'll tell you what, having a child will force you to, excuse me, force it forced me to learn patience on another level. And it forced me to learn understanding on another level because prior to having kids, if I don't like that, a kid's crying, I just walk out of the room or put my headphones in and I don't listen to them. I'm like I'm choosing my response. I'm not going to be pissed that this kid's crying It's and, because it's still the first one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's been, it's been absolutely great. My son is, is phenomenal. He, smiles and laughs all the time and sleeps all night, every night, you know, and I can't, I totally lucked out. And my, my stepdaughter is absolutely phenomenal as well. She is, she's just about the brightest kid that I've ever seen or met in my life. She's the one that goes up to the kid that's sitting by themselves and talks to them and makes them a friend and then brings, brings them to introduce, you know, the kid to her friends. I mean, she's just, it, she's just an absolute gem of a, of a child. Um, and then, yeah, my wife, Molly is, is phenomenal as well. I, I feel like I totally lucked out. Some people don't get along with their wives, man. You yeah, know? But how did you two meet? Oh, we met at the coffee shop. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. This <laughs> coffee shop is literally the central location of his entire life. <laughs> yes. And existence. My life changed. You He's know, good at uh, sales, right? Tossed the number on the cup and you know, the rest worked itself out. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I feel incredibly blessed and and I'm at a point that I feel that I am exactly where I always hoped I would be. And that just feels incredible. And since leaving the dealership, too, I've I've been able to put in a lot of work on my health and make some some massive changes there, which I know that you can you, you know, you're there every day. I see it. That's right. And I'm not messing around. And that just feels so good too, man, because, because of the time that I was devoting, you know, to my previous career, I was not choosing to spend additional time on my health because I had a family and I was like, no, I'm choosing to spend time with my family. I'm not going to the gym at. So I want you to, I want to, yeah. wouldn't normally stop and have you talk about this, but so many people make this choice. It's, and it's conscious and it's, I'm, I'm working so hard over here telling themselves that I'm going to go be with my family. Right. But diving into that story now, different choices, you know, mindset, right. The BS, right. Mm -hmm. Because do they want, what part of you does your family really want? The part of me that's alive for a long time. (laughs) They want the healthy for sure present. Well, yeah. Right. And, and so there's so many, and I'm going to speak for me, people in my life that work those 14, 15, 16 hour days, they grind. Yeah. And, and so they feel like they don't, they can't take that time selfishly for themselves, whether it's 30 minutes or 45 minutes because they owe it to their family. Right. And, and they've got to reframe that and focus on the fact that they owe it to themselves to do that for themselves and then go give a hundred percent to their family because your family doesn't want you just to be there. Right. Exactly. They want you to be there. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that illustrates it absolutely beautifully. And, you know, it's just a thing. I was incredibly athletic when I was younger, um, and that's just not a great feeling to be that and then get way off course like I did. 
So now I just feel, I feel absolutely great. I haven't missed a day this year and um, it's been, it's been incredible. And I feel like I said, I feel like I'm absolutely in the most perfect place at the most perfect time, which is just an incredible feeling, you know? So what's next for you guys? That's how we love to end. What's next for you guys? Take it away, Brett. What's next for us? I don't know why they're picking on me. Um, I don't know. I, I was just, the thought I had was one of the thought, the things that I learned from rapport was that that was really impactful was they talk about that dash. Like, are you living your dash? And so what's next for me living my dash, right? And right. how you do that. I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of the skinny branches cause I like taking risks, but it's way more fun out there. And, and I didn't ever even thought about the skinny branches until they talked about it. So what's next more skinny branch stuff. Yes. Yeah. I, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna face this head on and we're going to embrace discomfort and we're, we're going to, we're going to do some things. I want to make a name for myself and, and be viewed as a successful realtor myself. Obviously I love leveraging you guys and your success, but I'm, I'm after my own success as well. So um, are they. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, mom? And what, what is success? What does success mean to you right now? Right now it means having the, the freedom of time to make the choices that I want to make not a choice that I have to make or a choice that I'm choosing to make because I have obligations elsewhere. Now all of my obligations are to my advantage, you know? And so now success to me is doing more of what I'm already doing, which is eating delicious food, <laughs> having a drink on a patio with these guys, you know, watching my, my here, here. kids grow up to be healthy, successful people. And I'm doing that all right now. And it, and it just, it feels exactly like I thought it would feel, you know, <laughs> sounds like bliss. Oh man, yeah. it, it is. It does. I think that I would just say, I mean, I love what you guys said. I think that sounds great. I think that I'm in for all of that. Nice. You're I available think, for it. I think just making our home and our business, like a really, really, really safe, loving, happy place for people to just kind of do what they want to do. You know, it's a really great environment. We can continue to make it an even better environment. Because I think that like, you know, a rising tide raises all of our ships, including our clients and including the rest of our family. So I think that, you know, that whole ripple effect, like the bigger I can get and the more I can turn my light on, that's what's next for me. I'm going to continue on my journey to turn my light up, 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 up so that everybody else hopefully wants to too. Love it. I love it. Absolutely. What a joy to hear your stories tonight. Loved having you here. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thanks. Respect, integrity, passion, personal power, leadership, enthusiasm. This has been the Empowering Youth Podcast from Building Utah Youth. To become part of the 3%, visit Building Utah Youth on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or on our website at buildingutahyouth.org.